You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. So how many of you like building things? A few of you. Yeah, I remember, I still remember back to my preschool days when I loved to build with blocks and I always loved to outdo the, the three or four-year-old beside me. Like I was always trying to build something bigger and bigger and bigger. And that, that joy of building, it didn't really last while my dad was trying to teach me how to build things. I really wish it would have, but uh, it came back to me as I like got a house and had to take care of things. Uh, but uh, as I got as, as I grew in that joy of building, uh, I got invited one day to do something that I've never done before, and it's actually to be a part of building a house. Uh, I was a, a part of uh, a Habitat for Humanity faith build. Uh, and all the, the, the two extra words, faith build, all that means is that they invited a bunch of pastors together who knew nothing about what we were doing and have them help build part of that house. Uh, Habitat for Humanity, it's a a nonprofit that builds houses for people. Uh, No, this is not a picture of me, and no, that's not safe. Uh, But um, I thought it was fun. Uh, But so I got invited to be a part of this. Uh, They invited all the pastors. I didn't feel all that special. But uh, we we signed up, Uh, Vicar Rathke and I, we signed up, and we said, we're just going to be there for a day to build with a bunch of other people. And we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into, no idea what we were going to be doing that day. Uh, But we got there, and they told us that we were going to be laying the subfloor on the main floor of this house. Okay. Uh, So so we got there. We uh, The the site supervisor showed us uh, with the plywood. He laid the first row to get everything ready to go. And then he handed it over to us, and Greg was on the glue gun, uh, or the, I don't know what it was, but whatever. He glued the wood down, uh, I, laid, or I laid the wood down, and I tacked it in. We'd come back and nail it in later. Uh, but we got about halfway through the first row, and there was one piece of plywood that just wouldn't go where I wanted it to go. But I figured it was only about a quarter of an inch off, a quarter of an inch off. So we were just going to keep going, uh, and so we kept going, and we got done with that row, and we got to the next row. And some of y'all are shaking your head at me already, right? Uh, so th- by the time we got halfway through the next row, now we're not a quarter of an inch, in- inch off; we're like three or four inches off. Uh, and so I called the site supervisor over and I said, uh, "What do we do?" And what do you think he said? tear it out and start over, right? Because what I learned that day uh, and what he gently reminded me after shaking his head at me uh, was that the only way to fix crooked is to start over. And if you heard it in our reading today, that was what God was saying to the people of Israel through the prophet Amos. Here again, the, the first few verses from Amos 7, starting with verse 7. said, this is what the Lord showed me. Uh, Amos is saying, speaking to the people, he said, Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. The Lord said, Behold, I am setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel, and I will never again pass by them. 
The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate. The sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Now, a plumb line is not an instrument that all of us use on a daily basis. So uh, just to make sure we all know what a plumb line is, uh, a plumb line is basically uh, a string with a weight tied to the end of it. And so gravity obviously pulls that string straight down. Uh, and then you can put that against your wall, and you can measure the top of the line and say, oh, it's two inches from the top. The wall's two inches from the line at the top, and then if you go down to the bottom and your line's five inches from your wall, what's wrong? It's, it's crooked, right? But if it's two inches at the top and two inches at the bottom, now, you've, now you see that you've got a straight wall. So this is the image that God is using with his people through the prophet Amos. But really, we're just jumping into the middle of Amos, and we need a, a fuller picture of Amos. Uh, Amos is a, a prophet from Judah, but he doesn't start out a prophet. He actually starts out as a, a herdsman, a grower of figs as well. And so uh, he, is, he is told by God, he's from Judah, he's told by God to go up to Israel and speak his word to them. And so as Amos starts to speak, you know, already in verse, uh, verse 3 of chapter 1, Amos starts to speak to the people of Israel, but he's talking about nations surrounding them. He says, thus says the Lord, for three, genera- er, for three transgressions of Damascus, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have uh, threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. Verse 6, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they carried into exile a whole people to deliver them up to Edom. Verse 9, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Tyre and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they delivered up a whole people to Edom and did not remember the covenant of brotherhood. Verse 11, thus says the Lord for, do you see a pattern here? right? Now that he's speaking against Edom in verse 11. In verse 13, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of the Ammonites and for four. Continues into chapter 2, thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Moab and for four I will not revoke the punishment because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. And so if, if you're of the people of Israel and you have this prophet coming and speaking out against all of the nations around you, they're probably feeling pretty good right now, right? They're probably loving this prophet Amos because Amos is coming in and talking about all of those people, all of those people out there who aren't following God's law. I'm not going to revoke the punishment, right? I, the punishment's coming after them. But Amos doesn't end at chapter 2, verse 3. It continues with verse 4 that says, Thus says the Lord for three transgressions of Judah and for four. I will not revoke the punishment because they rejected the law of the Lord and have not kept his statutes. But their lies have led them astray, those after which their fathers walked. And so, again, though, remember that Judah, and, and Vicar Rathke talked about this last week, Judah is the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of, is, of, is called Israel, right? And, and Amos is, is a herdsman from Judah who goes up to Israel to speak to them. So again, already they're still thinking, I like this guy. Now he's talking about those people down south. They're not taking care of business. Well, as I'm sure you can guess, it doesn't end here either. We get to verse 6, it says, thus says the Lord, 
For three transgressions of Israel and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they sell the righteous for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. So Judah, you're not following God's law. Israel, you're taking advantage of the needy. But if you notice, every one of those, right, there's that pattern that says for three transgressions of insert nation here, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment. And then when he says because, there's only one transgression that's listed. So what's the three transgressions and four thing? Well, Luther, as he, as he writes about Amos, he says that Amos calls this sin three and four because the people do not repent of their sin or acknowledge it. Rather, they boast about it. And they rely upon it as though it were a good deed, as false saints always do. Uh, For a sin cannot be more grave, great, or weighty than when it tries to be a holy and godly work, making the devil God and God the devil. So again, Amos calls out the southern kingdom of Judah for their uh, not following God's righteousness. And he calls out the northern kingdom of Israel for taking advantage of the needy. And then he continues to, throughout the book of Amos, continues to to speak law against the people of Israel and finally gets to these four visions that that God gives to Amos about what his punishment's going to look like. And our text for us today is the third of those four visions. Let me read that again. It says, this is what he showed me. Behold, the Lord was standing beside a wall built with a plumb line, with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a plumb line. The Lord said, Behold, I'm setting a plumb line in the midst of my people Israel. I will never again pass by them. The high places will be made desolate, the sanctuaries of Israel will be laid to waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Right? God is saying, look at all these nations, look at how they have, have, have not been following my ways. But it's not just those people, it's you, Judah, it's you, Israel. And as I hold up my plumb line, as I hold up my law against the way that you're living, you're crooked. And the only way to fix crooked is to start over. And we actually see a number of years later, uh, God sends the Assyrians into uh, Israel and and takes them into exile. But that's, for us, that's again those people, those people of Israel. But what about these people? What about you and me? If God were to hold a plumb line up to your life, what would be crooked? Right? If, if, if Amos were to come today and if, if he were to follow the way that he started Amos, uh, the, that book, I mean, it was him just prophesying, but, but if it started like that for you, right, for three transgressions of Insert your name here, and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because what? I spent some time thinking about that this week, and uh, this is what I came up with, right? For three transgressions of Anthony and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because he does not keep the Sabbath. Now, that might look funny because I'm here every Sunday, right? But we've talked about this before. Sabbath means to cease, to stop, to rest. And so because I work on Sunday, I have to find other times to stop, to rest. But often when I get home from work, I like to pull up my phone and see if I missed an email from the 30 seconds that it took me to drive from home or from work to home. 
or on Saturday morning, I'm finishing a sermon or I'm doing other things. And, and not only is, am I not keeping the Sabbath, but I'm also often proud of it. Look how hard I'm working. Look at how much I'm getting done. So it's a three transgressions and for four because I, I'm turning what's evil into good by not keeping the Sabbath. What about you? Right? What crooked thing in your life needs reset? So I know this is always your favorite thing to do, but we're going to take a minute of silence. And I want you to hold up the plumb line of God's law to your life and ask God to show him, or ask God to show you what needs to be torn down and reset. Maybe you want to pull out the hymnal that's got in there is, is Luther's small catechism that has the Ten Commandments. Or open up your Bibles to Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5 that have the Ten Commandments. Or, or maybe it's something else. Maybe the Spirit's already been working in your life. But if you were to fill this out, what would that look like? For three transgressions of you and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because what? We're going to take a, a minute to just consider that. Even write it down. We're going to take a minute to do that now. three transgressions of blank and for four. <clears throat> I will not revoke the punishment because why? Now this probably feels like a heavy sermon. And maybe you're wondering, are we ever going to get back to the New Testament? Right? We've been, this is three weeks in a row in the Old Testament. Yes, I promise. And I did clarify uh, Vicar Rathke is going to be in the New Testament, in the Gospels next week. So, uh, but, but it's fitting that a sermon on Amos probably feels heavy. Because the name Amos actually means a burden. One who is hard to get along with and irritating. Right? How many of you would love it if your parents named you a burden? Or irritating? Right? But it's such a perfect, fitting name. Because eight and a half of the nine chapters of Amos, Amos is nine chapters long, eight and a half chapters are all law spoken against God's people. Those last few verses, the last half of Amos chapter nine starts this way on verse 11. It says, in that day, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up its ruins and rebuild it as in the days of old. Let me read that again and highlight a few words, right? In that day, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen. I will repair its breaches. I will raise up its ruins, and I will rebuild it as in the days of old. Amos was writing before Jesus, right? Amos is an Old Testament prophet. That means he was writing and speaking to the people of Israel before Jesus came. And so as Amos is looking forward for those people, he is looking forward to Jesus coming to this earth the first time to bring his kingdom to this earth, to, to repair breaches, to, to raise up ruins, and to rebuild lives. And that's something that we get to look back on. 
But Amos wasn't just looking forward to that first time that Jesus would come. Amos was also looking forward to that day in the future, that day that you and I also look forward to when Jesus will return and make all things new, when, when Jesus will ultimately repair all breaches, raise up all ruins, and rebuild all lives who have faith in Him. Right, we get to look back, and that helps us look forward. We get to look back at when Jesus came the first time for you and for me to die for the forgiveness of your sins, to, to repair you, to raise you up, and to rebuild your life. For many of you, that happened in the waters of baptism through the, or, or through the hearing of God's Word. And when, when Luther was talking about baptism, when he was teaching about baptism in, in his small catechism, he says this, he says, well, what does that baptizing with water indicate? It says, it indicates that the old Adam in us, in us should by daily contrition and repentance be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. What does baptizing with water mean? It means that every day we should be holding up God's plumb line to our life, and anything that's crooked should be drowned. So we can be made new. Right? Daily, this should happen. Daily, we hold up God's law to our lives and say, this is crooked. Maybe it's just a quarter of an inch off, but it's better to, to, to get rid of it now than when it's six feet off. Right? Daily, we are called to hold up God's plumb line, called to hold up His law to our lives. So that we can drown by contrition and repentance all the old, all the evil desires. So that a new man would daily be made new. So that you would daily be made new. Because God knows that the only way you fix crooked is by starting over. And he gives you that chance each and every day. So may Jesus repair your breaches. May He raise you up and it, may He rebuild your life as He makes you a new creation each and every day. Amen? Amen. Amen.